0: This is the Brain Over Belly podcast, solving the puzzle of obesity with Dr. David Brown of Idaho BMI. Today, we reconnect with Colin, our second of two special people who are eager to lose weight and keep it off for life with the help of Dr. Brown and Idaho BMI. Colin is still pre-bariatric surgery, working hard at changing what he eats, when he eats, and how he eats. He's joined by Dr. Brown, who explains how modern food engineering, the combination of sugar, salt, and fat in processed foods, affects our brains and makes it virtually impossible for someone like Colin to stop eating certain foods, even if he wants to. Here's your host, Rick Dunn.
1: We are back. We're back in action. It's the boys today. It's the three of us. Uh, I'm Rick Dunn. This is Dr. Brown. Hello. Hello and And uh, Colin, the star of the show. Hello. Hi. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing good, Rick. How are you?
1: Good. Fantastic. So today we're going to talk specifically uh, about food, you started your journey now, Colin. How long have you been with Dr. Brown now? And what have you done up to this point?
2: Well, I first met with Dr. Brown and um, Kate back in January, and um, up until this point, I've just been working on you know when I'm eating, how much I'm eating, and then lately I've been focusing on what I've been eating. So, kind of cutting out processed foods and sticking to a low carb diet. What were you, as you best eating <laughs>
1: before you met Dr. Brown? What were you eating?
2: Um, Yeah, a lot of fast food, a lot of snacky, like chips, you know, Doritos, whatever was around. That's the
1: stuff that I eat.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Actually, probably shouldn't be. What? I was just saying to Kim in early, and he's eating pepperoni out of a bag.
1: I was. (laughs) (laughs) That's a rat. I told Colin, I said, Dr. Brown probably would not like seeing this. Um, But we all have guilty pleasures, right? And so we're going to kind of get into some of that today. What's your. What's your guilty pleasure? Your cheap food? What's the one thing that you can't say no to?
2: I don't know. hard to uh, Hard to say, right? Like you guys have pretty balanced diets, so it's easy to say. You know, this one thing will get me any time. But when you're used to eating a hundred variants of that one thing, it's kind of hard to pick one. You know what I mean? For me, it's chips and salsa. Sure,
1: I have to have. And when I go with chips and salsa, I've got to. Well, I end up eating the whole bag. Quite honestly, I I can't help myself. But that's my thing. Mexican food. I love Mexican food. For you, it's not candy or. <laughs> I
2: mean, pizza is always good, right? Pizza. Yeah, okay. Pizza's your guilty pleasure.
1: Sure. Do you have a guilty pleasure, Doctor Brown? Chocolate. Chocolate. Mile high mud pie. <laughs> oh my gosh! So you're not perfect, then? You no, uh, far from it. <laughs> so. Um, Why can't we get enough of these foods, Dr. Brown? What's going on with these foods? What what is it that makes me dive into a bag of chips? And we briefly hit on this before. But what is it that makes me dive in there, and then before I know it, I don't even think about it, and the whole bag is gone?
0: Well, I would start by saying that it's not an accident. Uh, A lot of people, including me, call these types of foods hyper-palatable foods, and they're engineered to be that way. So it's no accident that you start and you just sort of forget about it and you keep going and you can eat a whole bag of something.
1: What are some of the specifics that that they're doing to get us to continue to eat more and more and more?
0: Well, if you think about food in general, food has a smell, it even has a sight, uh, a taste, a texture, um, and even the sound of eating foods. All of these attributes of foods are engineered. In other words, food is created and manufactured in a way to uh, sort of tease each of these senses and to attach us to those foods. I used to watch the uh, Doritos
1: commercials and that they would always have the really good looking girl that would crunch into that chip and something about that crunch made me want to go. It wasn't even the girl. It was the crunch. I like the
0: girl, too, but.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Of course. So that's part of what you're talking about then, right?
0: Yeah. And there's about a hundred years history of engineering in the food industry. It's an incredibly competitive industry. We all have to eat every day. So we're talking big bucks. It's a huge market, and it's very competitive. And every company or manufacturer has to do everything it can really to Garner as much of the market as they can, and really, it is a very sophisticated way of creating food to get us to eat more. And then, real quick, I know we've touched
1: on this before, so we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but the I always think this thing is crazy when you brought this up about um, what is it some of these companies like with a, a pile of chips, or maybe it's candy, they they. Do something to one out of every
0: sixteen of them. That what is that again? Yes. So you mentioned chips. There's a particular jalapeno type of chips that is engineered um, so that every seventeenth chip in the bag is extra spicy. And of course, someone eating these chips doesn't know anything about that. They have no idea what's going on. Right. But really the chips and these foods in general are engineered to interact with six different areas of the brain. So there's a a general principle. If you just look at the ingredients of salt, refined sugar, and sort of processed fats, uh, they have come up with a very precise proportion or uh, combination of these three ingredients that creates what insiders in the industry call the bliss point. Um, and we all all probably can relate to this. For me, you eat that mile-high mud pie or have some of it and it's oh, just yeah. It's great. <laughs> You're making me hungry right now. <laughs> but so these foods that are processed and engineered this way, they do many things in the brain and one is causing that pleasure type sensation, but they also alter the formation and retrieval of memories. There's this thing in the brain called the hippocampus and it's in charge of encoding or forming memories as well as retrieving memories. Well, these processed foods decrease activity there and if we don't remember eating a meal or a food, uh, our appetite uh, rebounds in about three or four hours. If we do remember eating and we are in the moment and we're paying attention, appetite is suppressed for about 24 hours after that. So anyway, back to the jalapeno chips. Mm -hmm. Because of this combination of ingredients, we're really not forming memories as we go through that bag, memories of eating the chips. And it turns out every 17th chip is a little more spicy and something we all can relate to, and a lot of people are familiar with dopamine, you get a text or something that's good news or something that excites you. You get this little dopamine release in a particular part of your brain. Well, if that comes as a surprise, you actually get more dopamine released. And so this company has figured out that at every – seven, the frequency of every 17th chip, that extra spicy chip comes as a surprise. So you get more dopamine released, and the end effect is you're just more attached – to the chips. You like them, you just keep going.
1: Does anybody do anything with pizza? So Collins food is pizza. Is there anything there? Or
0: maybe the uh, the pepperonis or well, it's again you can you can scale up the level of sophistication and there's some just basics, uh, you know, when you oh, eat okay. a pizza, you got the bread and there are so many things about bread that people like, that we all like right. sort of the variety. But yeah, there's the sauce they now put sugar in the sauce because of the effect of those sugars so there's some basic principles that you can find in just about any food that's been processed to any degree
1: so colin last time we talked you were just about to start on your journey you've officially started now correct yeah what is the process that you're going through exactly it's a little bit different than uh, mona got right into surgery it didn't take too long you've got about six months total before you're going to be in surgery correct
2: um, Looking about four months from now. Four yeah. months from now. Okay. Towards the end of August, I should be getting ready to go, yeah.
1: So what have you started doing and what are you going to be doing here in the near future?
2: So I've, I've been trying to ease into um, eliminating these processed foods the best that I can. Um, now, it's a lot easier said than done. In the past, I've been able to, you know, for two or three weeks, take a walk every day, cut out fast food entirely, and then... You know, at the end, you're burnt out and you're like, damn, I really want a cheeseburger. Can I say that?
0: <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs> yeah. You <we can. laughs> Okay. Um,
1: if that's the worst thing you say, we're in really good shape.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. Yeah. So it's easy to get burnt out doing that. But with Dr. Brown and his staff, I've been trying to ease into or ease out of my old habits, which would involve, um, you know, just snacking out of boredom. Right. If you decide that. You know, you've been working for on this for too long and you need to take a break. Somehow you wind up in front of the pantry. Um, so, so
1: listening to your yeah, body. Exactly. Dr. Brown mentions that a lot. Listen to your body. Don't eat just because you want to eat. Eat when your body says you're hungry, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I've been doing a lot better with that and a lot better at chewing, making like being conscious and uh, chewing That part seems so crazy to me. I shoot for 20 (laughs) times. It's
1: weird, (laughs) Dr. Brown's grinning over here, but it does make sense. Yeah. But, I mean, most people, you think about, what is the chewing rules again? I can't remember, Dr. Brown.
0: Well, the idea is that we count as we chew. And what I tell people in clinic is, well, chew every bite 20 to 40 times and count. And it really is not the number that you get to or actually how many times you're chewing a bite. But the process of counting as you do that, that's going to activate a certain part of the brain and deactivate or lessen the activity in a different part of the brain.
2: Right.
1: So you're slowing down. Mm -hmm. You're chewing. How much are you chewing again in between each bite?
2: I do do 20 times. He said 20 to 40. So I'm at the bottom right now. But We'll get there (laughs) eventually. Smart man. I like it. Yeah, Yeah. smart
1: man. And uh, obviously slowing down. Well, that's going to slow you down when you're eating your meal anyway. Yeah, definitely. Um, Dr. Brown, all the processed foods that we were talking about before that are being manipulated by hundreds of super smart engineers who know if they combine the right amount of sugar, fat, and salt, they can make it impossible or next to impossible to stop eating. Um, why aren't we hearing more about this?
0: Really good question, and maybe that's one of the goals of doing these podcasts or everything that we're trying to do is so that people know Um, it's so important to get this information out. You know, children are eating these foods at a very young age and it's really influencing them for a lifetime. So that's my question too. Why is this this not common knowledge? It's, it's frustrating that it isn't.
1: Because uh, I think, and I'm not sure if you mentioned it earlier today that uh, a lot of the businesses that are in charge of these foods are the same businesses that were in charge of tobacco or they they were or they are i 'm not sure i'm confused
0: <clears throat> so in the early 1980s to the two largest tobacco companies, Philip Morris and RJ Reynolds, they purchased two of the top three food man, manufacturing companies in America and you could see very much the adoption of the methods in marketing and engineering in tobacco products uh, influence foods uh, increasingly from that point on. And and we know this from insider information and documents. Right. It's, it's very clear. But that type of marketing and engineering um, really has taken over the food industry.
1: And it's just kind of hidden
0: a little bit more. With yeah.
1: tobacco, eventually, I mean, I guess it was – I don't know if people were just naive or we just didn't understand. uh, Eventually, they had to start putting – well, they had to start letting us know this is is possibly what's going to happen to you if you start smoking cigarettes. Right. Food, they don't do that – well, they do that to an extent, but maybe not to the extent that they
0: should. One of the very popular big distractions is this concept of calories um the emphasis and it's it's everywhere this is what we've been trained for 50 60 years is to focus on calories eating under a certain number of calories and this is what the f- processed food companies will push as their defense is look you know just eat fewer calories uh, it's up to every person to govern themselves right but that focus on calories allows this type of engineering to fall under the radar And so it really doesn't get to the problem.
1: Do you, Colin, have you ever felt like you are addicted to a certain type of food or maybe all food? Or how has it been for you growing up?
2: Um, Well, I feel like I've mostly used food as like a coping mechanism. But it it has kind of snowballed from there. And it's kind of alarming to like hear this news, you know. Right. Um, Because I've always bought into the narrative that Dr. Brown was describing that's pushed by the industry. You know, everybody is in control of themselves. We provide this, but you should be able to know how much to eat. Um, And I mean, I still, that's not going to change in, you know, 10 seconds, right? I'm still going to feel like, oh, you know, I and every other obese person should be doing more for themselves and eating less of what's available. Just because it's there doesn't mean you have to eat it, you know?
1: But if people are addicted, Dr. Brown, I mean, addiction is a a problem, whether it's food or alcohol or drugs. What
0: what do we do about, this? I mean, do we have a choice? How do you beat this? So addiction is a part of this. I, I'm not totally comfortable equating this problem with addiction, and I'm not sure why. Maybe it's the implication that it's the person's fault, which is also an idea that's pushed everywhere. Okay. Um, so Colin mentioned coping, using food to cope with stress, anxiety, discouragement. If you really look at that, what is it about eating something that gives a person the feeling that they are coping? Well, it's what the food means and what how it makes them feel. And this goes back to early childhood with the associations that we make between food and our environment and the different meanings in the context of that experience as a young child. So, and this is also an area or something that is not an accident. Um, these associations are very much pushed by the industry. You mentioned the chips and the sound and the beautiful girl. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I probably shouldn't, but I do. Yeah, (laughs) it's not an accident. There are meanings attached to foods. And so later on in life, we're stressed, we're overwhelmed. This area of the brain, the hippocampus, goes way back. And eating a food... We get that dopamine hit. It feels good and it means something based on those memories. So, we can talk about addiction, but from a different angle, really what's happening with exposure to these modern processed foods is this state of perceiving or feeling like you're starving. Your brain, your body is communicating in every way possible I'm starving. I need to eat more and store more energy. Um, and this is the problem. And how reasonable is it to expect a person who truly feels that they are starving to just, hey, just walk away from, right. from food? It sounds so easy, but it's, it is like telling a person with a seizure disorder to stop having seizures. So ultimately, what
1: do we do about these engineered foods? Not eat them.
0: <laughs> Here I am is that it? saying exactly <laughs> – what I was critical of no <laughs> the idea is that we want to figure out a way to remove them from our lives not eat the process anything that's processed has some degree of engineering in it uh, so we want to eat whole natural foods high in protein and healthy fats and for an individual who has a history of this problem they do have a hypersensitivity to high or Carbohydrates in general, starchy foods, you want to stay away from those too. So, the basic principles are drink two liters of water every day, only eat when you're hungry. Are you drinking that water, Colin? Oh, yeah. I've always been really good about staying hydrated. We didn't really hit that much today. No, okay. I was just double checking. It's been a non issue for me. (laughs) Okay. So, we just want to minimize exposure to these foods. And, you know, I very much am an advocate of the low carbohydrate. Lifestyle, um, I think in our time it is a key thing for remaining healthy given the presence of these hyper palatable engineered foods.
1: And so, this process, uh, your entire process, I mean, this is why we call it brain over belly. It's about retraining the brain. Right. It's about uh, getting to a point to where your brain is not telling you you're starving anymore,
0: correct? Right. It ultimately is using bariatric surgery because of its influence on a person's brain and central nervous system. We're using that operation to actually disconnect or disentangle these six centers in the brain and reformat their way of communicating with each other that leads a person to a place where they don't feel hungry. They don't really have cravings, and food doesn't mean much of anything to them. And it becomes very easy, and they gain control over it.
1: So there's a mental part to this, obviously, but the uh, the physical part. The I mean, having the actual surgery itself also helps with the signals that are being sent to the brain, and it's really the combination. You need the whole package here. If you if you Well, not everybody. I guess everybody's a little bit different, correct?
0: Absolutely. And one of those six areas of the brain, it's called the medulla, it's in the brainstem, it really is sort of a filter or gate for sensory signals from the body. And so the operation alters or resets that set of signals going to the brain. And so we're essentially using that center or that node in the brain to affect all five of the others. Again, but it doesn't happen automatically. You have right. to know what's going on and know what to be doing every day to make that happen.
1: Did you know all of this information before you sat down today, Colin? Or no, you're shaking your head no? No, no,
2: no. <laughs> of course not, no. Dr. Brown explained some of this to me the first time we sat down together. What do you feel
1: about this? I mean, what do you, what, what are your thoughts
2: on this? Um, I mean, part of it's a little embarrassing, right? Because it carries implications that a lot of people are just like, uh, like they're – to be pitied kind of with all of this in mind. You know what I mean? Like um, if you're saying that a lot of people don't have a choice, not that this is necessarily like addiction, but. Um,
1: I'm not sure if it should be embarrassing though. I, yeah, we I mean, should, we should not
2: put that in. I kind of, I take that back. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> I, I disagree with what, what I just said. <laughs> I think it's the opposite. Yeah,
1: It is the opposite of embarrassing. Right. Because truthfully, I, I think there's this perception that, People that are overweight, and uh, that they're slobs, or they can't control themselves, or Mm. uh, they've never been on a diet, or they've never got outside and ran. And that's a misconception. It it really is, isn't it, Dr. Brown? Absolutely.
0: But yet, that's what the message that is sent to all of us, essentially constantly. You know, 42% of Americans are obese. You know, is something changed to... Alter it's crazy or that that number the, is the level of willpower in our population no it's not it is it is there's a better explanation and it is neurological and it's really the result of engineering foods. So doesn't that make you feel a little bit better
1: Colin that knowing that okay maybe some of the, I mean you take your own responsibilities yes sure yeah but maybe some of this is out of your control. Oh
2: definitely yeah
1: And you know it's out of your control, and uh, that's why you're going through this process, so that you can regain control of your life.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I did figure something was wrong, right? Because I've tried, you know, fad diets, sugar busters, lean for life, um, just, like, crash, I don't know, exercising. Just, like, randomly jumping into long bouts of exercise, you know, walking several miles a day or whatever, light CrossFit, starting strength, whatever, you know, name it. A lot of overweight people is like probably try <laughs> <long. laughs> Yeah, so I figured something was wrong, and I should talk to somebody who knows what's going on. Yeah. Um, this guy
1: knows a little something. <laughs> was it Doctor
2: Doctor Brown? <laughs> yeah.
1: Is there, uh, is there anything else these engineers that are uh, doing this to our foods that they're doing or that we should know about?
0: Uh, again, the the level of sophistication would blow your mind. Um, that they, they have big highly educated teams with the best technology experimenting constantly on how to change foods and alter them in a way that that benefits them uh, you know and it's not that they're evil but it's they're like anybody else they, they want to feed the family they want to be successful and in this industry it is by selling more and making more money and that's how they do it i would say too uh, that again, this starts very young. And they, the people in these companies very carefully start building brand loyalty in little children. And again, it's through the associations, the marketing and the cute animals and the mm-hmm. all, you know, all that they use, they know what they're doing. And so they're planting that seed, if you will, and they know exactly how to grow that seed in that person's life. And the unfortunate outcome or other results is obesity and diabetes and all of these metabolic diseases that really are changing our lives. So, Colin, we're, uh, we're moving
1: forward. You started how long ago with Dr. Brown?
2: About three months ago.
1: About three months ago. Yeah. And I know we've gone through a couple of the things that you're doing, the chewing, the uh, what else are you doing right now? Like every morning as you get up, mm-hmm. what's, what's Colin's life like?
2: I mean, it's not incredibly structured because you know everybody's working from home and I study from home. But um, I, you I try still to stick have to have a life, right? You go <laughs> yeah, work you, you yeah. do your normal stuff. I do work, yeah. but
1: what is it if for those people that are out there thinking, okay, uh, I'm like Colin, or mm-hmm. I can I can relate to what this guy's going through? I, I wonder what it's like. They want to hear what it's like to be you right now.
2: Sure, yeah, um, just. Roll out of bed, go make a low carb breakfast. Usually eggs and a, I don't know, if, like a a deli sausage. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced, but okay. uh, chicken and apple sausage. Uh, wait till I'm hungry again. Eat around two or three. Just grab some lunch meat and some almonds, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm doing I'm doing my best not to eat until I'm hungry. Right. Um, just do your best to stay away from fast food and. Like Dr. Brown and Rick were just saying, it's a lot easier said than done, but, um, you definitely feel a lot better. And I've noticed that the past, past two weeks I have eaten out like two or three times, um, and it's really easy to do when you've got friends or family around you that are like, hey, you know, let's grab a burger or hey, we're calling in food for dinner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you want? And then, you, you know, you say, oh, I don't want anything. They're like, you sure? And you're like, oh, uh, on second thought, you know. They're like, a happy meal. And then, yeah, two days later, <laughs> I'll have a cheeseburger. You know, it's it's really easy to slip back into. But, um, yeah. yeah, just do your best to, to eat low carbs, stay away from processed foods, try not to put it in the house. Then you'll be less tempted to eat it, right, if it's not there. Right. Um,
1: Boy, it sounds just like an alcoholic. Like, don't have a bottle of (laughs) booze in your house. It's very similar to that, isn't it, Doctor Brown? Sure. Uh, You know, it's
0: or is that a bad? uh, 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 There's some value to it, definitely. And there, there are triggers that surround us. You know, marketing, and again, that's not an accident. But we're surrounded in our society with triggers, um, primarily visual images that actually trigger. Hormones and it really sort of primes us to want to eat, right? And so, yeah, it, it's there are similarities to that, and there are ways that we can work through that. And we actually have other exercises that we get into with people after surgery to turn off cravings.
1: What is uh, Colin going to be doing here in the next few months as he gets ready? Surgery is, I think you've already got it planned, right? It's in August sometime.
2: It's tentatively oh, tentative. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. Um, I'll be so, done in June, and they say about five weeks is the earliest I should expect. So, sometime in August.
1: Do, I'm curious does he just do what he's doing right now, Dr. Brown, or are there other steps that he needs to take before we get to bariatric surgery? Sure.
0: And a lot of this process before surgery is driven by insurance companies. You know, they have their requirements that have to be met. Sure. So, in this time before surgery, yeah, we focus on food and the approach, we really try to not be obsessive. Um, may not sound like it, but it actually say-
1: does. You know, when I listen to Colin, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like he's stressed out or it's so hard for him he can't handle it. It seems like it's pretty chill.
2: I would. I would say that yeah, I have guidelines as to where I should be working towards, but um, you know, I've proven to myself that jumping in and doing everything a hundred percent from day one is a good way not to finish so sure um just trying to be forgiving of myself if i slip up and just understand that this is a process
1: do you keep a chart or anything on a daily chart or i
2: used to yeah well i don't anymore but when i first started i tracked everything i ate in my phone i used an app called uh my fitness pal and I don't know if that's right. Um. <laughs> it's okay if it's not. Trust me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm wrong with half of what I say. So <laughs> yeah. So uh, I would log everything I was eating just to be conscious of how much I was actually eating, and then to kind of keep myself on track. If I'm about to enter, you know, a serving of Doritos, you're like, really? You know, it gives you a chance to second guess what you're doing. Sure. Um, but I've I've stopped doing that uh, probably about a month ago. So.
1: It's more about listening to your
2: body, and yeah, I'm getting a lot better about that. I don't think I'll, I don't think I'll ever be able to take a minute between bites. You know, we're working towards it. <laughs> wait, till, wait till surgery. Yeah, before surgery, I don't think I'll be able to take a minute between bites. It's uh, get impatient.
0: The approach I would encourage is to practice principles every day. Try to detach eventually from numbers. And just practice principles every day. Try to remind ourselves, and we practice the goal being progress over time and to never beat yourself up for not being perfect at any of it. Because we work on those things, and it's these little tasks every day, what we eat, when we eat, how we eat, and the water. It's these things that bring out the powerful neurological effects of the operation. So no reason to be overwhelmed and and feel guilty about any of it. We just right. practice principles. I am curious. I, I'm sure we've talked about in the past,
1: but I can't remember what we've said or what you've said, Dr. Brown, um, when it comes to exercise. Are, are you having Colin exercise at all or is it just a complete
0: focus on food right now? And, and So <clears throat> a lot of people are surprised to hear that sleep is more important than exercise. And, you know, I want... I want people, I want my patients to exercise, but it's not really so that they can lose weight. That traditional relationship of exercise and, and weight isn't really true. It has its influence, but it's mostly indirect. Um, sleeping, it turns out, is, in my opinion, far more important for a person and um, the effect on the brain and being well-rested having good sleeping habits. But yes, I'd like people to exercise and my general recommendation is to find something you enjoy doing.
1: Final thoughts, Colin, you're the star of the show. You always will be when you're here behind a microphone. Uh, Anything you want to say to anybody listening out there? I know I gave you that opportunity last time. Uh, You'd be shocked because the second this podcast went on, how many people reach out to me And say, I love that calling guy. I can, I can feel what he's going through. I'm going through some of those same things, and so I know you feel like sometimes, what do I have to say? You know, it doesn't make much of a difference. Mm -hmm. Trust me, it does. So, do you have any final
2: thoughts? I will say, I'm very grateful for the process and for Doctor Brown and his staff um, being pretty much constantly available. and their willingness to answer any questions that I have about the procedure, um, whether it be you know risk involved with bariatric surgery or um, any small goals that we're trying to meet along the way, or uh, you know even down to the nitty gritty of insurance. It's it's nice to have what feels like constant support from what's just supposed to be your healthcare provider, right? So. why
1: do i i feel a little sarcasm coming out
2: (laughs) no 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 sarcasm at all i um i had i had previously seen uh a weight loss like a management uh doctor as well back in san diego okay and they were very hands-off they were just like you know subscribe to atkins or weight watchers or whatever get all the food out of your house and just Start from scratch there, and good luck. We'll it's, see it's you a in a com- year. It's yeah, exactly. It's yeah. a completely different environment. Um, so if anybody's looking, like if they can't, if they don't have. A supportive group around them. I would say it's great to have. Fuck that. Never mind. Cut everything out. <laughs> I got nothing to say. We're keeping it, I'm, it in. I'm now, trying. Man. I'm, trying so in I'm trying so hard. I'm trying so hard to push something out. I got nothing to say. I really don't.
1: That's what makes podcasting so great. Yeah, is we all just throw a whole bunch of garbage out there, and who knows? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I really appreciate the fact that you're doing what you're doing to be the best you that you can be, mm-hmm. and that you come in here every once in a while. And fill us in on how you're doing and and where you're getting to. Uh, I do want to get some final thoughts from you, Dr. Brown. We've talked a lot about food today and some of the, the engineered food, the processing that goes in the foods, and some of the negatives. And I think it's important for us to be enlightened because I tell you what, the second you brought that up, Even though I love that bag of chips, I do think about it now, like, which one is that one in 17? (laughs) Can I get rid of that one?
0: Uh, Any final thoughts, Dr. Brown? I would just say that every person has a great story, and it's just a privilege to be a part of that and to see people succeed and become the person that they were born to be.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks for having us. Calling again, you're the star, my man. We really appreciate you. Stop saying that. You are. (laughs) It's gone in my head. Well, let's not go there. I'm (laughs) I'm God bless you, and uh, thank you guys again so much for coming in. Thank
2: you.